Well, hello everyone. Um, I am Karis Mullins. I am a Humanity Rising ambassador and I lead the LGBTQ mental health program here at Humanity Rising. Um, the, uh, the program is called COM. It stands for Community Advocates for LGBTQ Mental Health. And essentially it comprises of a blog and a podcast that educates people on the subject as well as tells people's personal stories and, you know, we just sort of had discussion with experts and everyday people. It's really chill, but it's a great resource. And that's sort of who I am and what I'm doing here in a nutshell. And I'm really excited to be here. Nicole? All right. Well, uh, my name is Nicole Wilson, and um, I actually work for a nonprofit organization called the Spark Initiative. It is located in Florida, Brandon, Florida area. Um, and I'm really excited to be here today. What my organization really uh, teaches is mental health education and um, understanding your mind in a deeper level. So last year, uh, Karis did an internship with, with our organization and she asked me to uh, be a host with her on this webinar today. So I'm really excited to be here and share some of uh, the stuff that we, we teach kids. So thank you. Yeah, the Spark Initiative is is so great. Love that you love what everything you guys are doing. Love that I'm going to be helping you guys out this summer. So I'm really happy to be here. And once again, thank you for for joining me, and thank you all for joining me. I'm really hoping my cat doesn't jump on my computer. I can see him in my peripheral vision. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna just keep it rolling. I think something that we we should definitely address first is why are we talking about the LGBTQ com community specifically? Because you know. Suicide is something that affects all communities and all people, but we wanted to focus specifically on the LGBTQ community today, A, because it's my area of expertise, um, I'm a part of the community, I am pansexual, and B, because the rates, the statistics, the prevalence is astronomical. It really is insane to think about how much suicide affects the community versus the heterosexual community versus the uh, cisgender community. And I have compiled um, just sort of, I think the highlights because not everyone really sort of grasps, grasps how big of an issue this can be. Um, I do wanna say that a lot of the data or any of the facts that I'm gonna be mentioning today are from the Trevor Project 2022 survey. And within their survey, it was shown that lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth are five times more likely to attempt suicide. So not, you know, think, just think about it, but actually try and attempt to complete the action. I'm really, cat, please. Um, but interestingly, I think something that, I mean, not interestingly, I guess I should say sadly, um, pansexuals are actually at the greatest, greatest risk. Uh, with 53% of pansexual youth considering suicide in the last year and 21% attempting suicide. In terms of the transgender portion of the LGBTQ community, 22% of transgender boy and men, so depending on age rates, depends on how you want to phrase that, um, so 22% attempted suicide. And you may think, well, how does this sort of compare to, you know, the cisgender community or the straight community? Well, for example, like I said, 22% of the transgender community versus 6% of the cis cisgender community. It is a 
vast difference. And I'm not going to bore you all with the math and the stats. And I'm not just going to keep, you know, sort of going through that. But it is just important to realize that all non-cis gender identities have higher rates of suicidal consideration and attempts. And it's the same thing with gender identities. So they're both important, but we need to focus on this because it is just hammering the community at, at this point in time. We've also seen an increase in suicide from 2020 to 2022, a 5% increase in consideration and um, another increase in uh, actual attempts. So it is really important to sort of highlight this topic and sort of focus on the prevalence so we can understand how to solve the problem and not let it continue and not let it, you know, continue to affect us so astronomically. And, you know, I want to point out that the suicide rates aren't high just because we're LGBTQ. Like, it's not, you're not born, you know, transgender or pansexual or gay and automatically have a predisposition to suicidal thoughts. That's not how it works. Instead, it's our environment and what we experience in our day-to-day life that maybe cisgender people and heterosexual people don't experience. Things like hate crime and bullying, things like anti-LGBTQ discrimination. Conversion therapy, for example, is a big one. Conversion therapy has been proven to actually damage your mental health and not improve it. And it's actually also been shown to increase the rates of suicidal ideation among LGBTQ people who had to go through it. Um, You know, it's not backed by any sort of medical evidence, but we still have to go through it for various reasons, whatever those reasons may be. So those are sort of the, the main reasons in a way that we are sort of seeing these increases within the community. And something that I thought was really interesting was the fact that like, even though discrimination and hate crimes can happen to other groups, so not just the LGBTQ community, but the BIPOC community to the disabled community or what have you, but the rates of LGBTQ community were still above those. And I thought that was, I thought that was crazy and also sad, but I wanted to ask you, Nicole, other than sort of what I've said, you know, why do you think this issue is sort of affecting the community more so than others? So, and this is just, you know, this is my thinking and then kind of piggybacking off of what you were sharing. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it's a lot of times people in the LGBTQ community might have hold on to this anxiety and fear of not being accepted by the people that they love. So I feel like that can also be something that, you know, they could experience and um, just really what we share here at, at my organization is um, a very simple understanding of, of mental health and well-being, and not a lot of people really understand that at a deeper level. So I always revert back to that being the missing link within every and anybody, um, and really just that lack of mental health education really is one of the lead causes. Yeah, the definite, I would say that's, I mean, that's a great point. The lack of mental health education in general, the lack of 
awareness, the lack of conversation also, you know, yeah. one of the most important things about webinars like this, about, you know, humanity rising in general, about any movement is it starts a conversation. And, you know, if we don't have that conversation, we can't raise awareness. And without a, you know, awareness, we can't prevent anything. So it's really important to have these discussions, talk about the unique challenges, you know, not just, you know, say like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm sure the LGBTQ community faces discrimination. Like talk about why that is and talk about, you know, the, the specifics of it all. But, you know, even then sort of extends beyond the community, right? So, you know, the community faces a lot of these different challenges, but so do, you know, other communities. And even within, you know, the LGBTQ population, not everyone experiences the same things. You know, I have personally faced discrimination, but I've also never been to conversion therapy. Thank God. And, you know, I've experienced bullying, but I've never experienced, I've never been a victim of a hate crime. So the LGBTQ community has a variety of different challenges that we face. And one, you know, challenge doesn't affect all of us. And we all even respond to those situations, you know, a little bit differently because our minds work differently and our, our histories are different and our personalities are different, you know? So it, it really is important to highlight that human diversity, you know, within the community as well. And what, what I find sort of interesting is like, despite, you know, our different thinking and our different reactions to situations, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, uh, our differences, but we also have a lot of similarities in how we respond to mental health and how we interact with our own mental health. Um, for instance, with suicide, there are warning signs that are essentially universal. There are behaviors that are universal. Um, what do you think some of those uh, would be, Nicole? So, um, first of all, I want to share a little bit why this is so passionate and then why, like, like why I'm so passionate about uh, suicide prevention, um, because I, ex I did experience losing uh, people in my family by suicide. So that's why I, I've probably why Karis reached out to me to, to join this because I have been in the process of trying to develop a suicide prevention program and for, for any and everybody. Um, so some of the things that I have uh, researched and really studied was what, yeah, what are these warning signs? Um, and then, you know, first of them, first of all, they are, what are, what are people saying? Are they talking about wanting to die? Are they feeling hopeless? Um, are they saying that, you know, they're feeling trapped or that they're in a lot of pain? Um, really understanding what they're saying and what's, what's the meaning behind what people are talking about? Really, really seeing those as warning signs. Um, behaviors. So um, a lot of the main behaviors are increased of alcohol usage or drug usage, um, not doing their normal activities, not, not, uh, or withdrawing from their activities, uh, isolating themselves from their friends or family, um, sleeping way too much or not enough, uh, giving away prized possessions of aggress aggression. So a lot of those are big warning signs that um, be on the lookout for. Yeah, so I just want to quickly add on that one of the things I found in doing the research specifically for the LGBTQ community that I thought was very, you know, interesting, but also probably very useful information for people to know that people in the community 
before they, um, you know, perhaps before they attempt suicide, even before they form a plan, but they're still considering it, they tend to start, you know, I really latch on to that, that word aggression. Um, and it's not necessarily physical aggression, but arguments, maybe they're more sensitive than usual. Um, maybe they're not never sensitive at all. And they're suddenly sensitive about something. And, you know, for me personally, I think that I thought that was interesting because, you know, there was a point in my life that, you know, I had considered suicide and I was able to overcome it through different resources and a lot of therapy, but I was able to overcome it. And one of the things is I was getting into arguments a lot and I was like, so, so shocked, but also so like validated, I guess, in a way to see that the LGBTQ community that's one of the signs that's sort of very um, prevalent within it is having arguments with the ones you love. And I'm like, that's so specific, but it's also, you know, something good to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being aware of your own mind and how your mind works is really a, it's key. It's key to understanding like, okay, you know what, I do have this thought of, of, of suicide popping in my mind, but it's nice to know how thoughts work. So I don't have to take it so serious. So that's a, another huge piece. Yeah. What do you think? Like, you know, we, I feel like we hear a lot in webinars. What are the signs? What is the, the awareness? Like, how do we spot it? But there's something that actually came up that I wanted to address is, you know, there are times and there are certain individuals who don't have any warning signs. Mm-hmm. You can't tell. I know um, in my experience, I lost one of a, a really good friend of mine to suicide about a year ago. It was out of the blue. There was no, there was no signs. He was happy. He was hanging out with everyone. His personality didn't change. And then one day he was just gone. So I think that you know, understanding that sometimes their the signs may not be obvious. People are really good at hiding, you know, their emotions and repressing their feelings. So I would say that, you know, one of the best things you can do, regardless or not of whether anyone showing any sort of signs or symptoms is to be kind and to be open and to always let your friends and your family know that you're an open space for them and that they can come to you with anything and they can talk to you about anything. Because, you know, even if someone isn't open, maybe they'll still know that and be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I feel uncomfortable. I don't feel like I should be expressing these feelings, but making it known that you can. You know, I think something simple as that, just being kind, making someone's day randomly can make a lot of difference. Oh, I agree. Um, and I lost my younger brother in 2020 by suicide. And I had, there was no warning signs. I had talked to him on the phone the morning of and absolutely not a thought in my mind that that's what he had in mind of doing that day. And um, the other, you know, the the other thing is, is if you, if you have lost somebody because of suicide to um, not be so hard on yourself for cope and, and during the coping part, because when there is no warning signs, it's, it's hard it's hard to address anything because you don't, you're not aware of it. But like Kara said, always being that, that kind person that allows any and everybody just to just come in and welcome them for who they are is 
is a huge, huge thing. And it's needed everywhere. I know if I'm having a hard day and I walk into the store and somebody just smiles and, and I don't know, says something nice to me, like that's really uplifting. And it, it kind of changes my perspective of, of my day a little bit. It shifts my mind a little bit into more in, into a clearer state of mind. So just, you know, keeping in mind to do that and um, just being kind. Absolutely. Yeah. As, I mean, especially with, you know, people in the community, I, I was writing something today in one of the blogs I was doing that's coming out Friday is that we so often have negative interactions with the world, whether that be we're watching or I guess not we're watching the news. I mean, I, I read the news. I don't watch it. But, um, you know, if you're looking at the news and you're like, oh, well, you know, that sucks. You know, that's a negative interaction with the world. If you're out getting groceries and you hear a slur or someone says something mean to you or even just gives you a dirty look, I mean, that can just make you feel bad. I feel like, you know, the community is at such a, you know, elevated risk of not having good interactions that this is especially true for people in the LGBTQ community to A, just be nice to each other and be nice to other people. But also, even if you're an ally, just make sure that, you know, you're always being open and understanding and nice. Like, it's really, sometimes it really can be that simple. One of the things that saved my own life was my best friend gave me a hug. Like, the day that I was like, I really don't, like the day I was really considering it, I, she must've, I don't know why, but she gave me this big old hug and I went home and I'm like, that was enough for me. Yeah. So, you know, something as small as that can be really uplifting. And I think that's really important. Something else is like, we talk so much about awareness in terms of looking at it in other people, but sometimes we may not be aware of it in ourselves or sometimes we may be aware of it in ourselves, but we're like, okay, well, I know all the signs and the symptoms. Now what? Like, what do I do with this, this thought or this feeling? Um, and Nicole, that's sort of your area of, of expertise and sort of one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on today is because you have such a great understanding of that. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, um, from experience, I used to, um, be, or, you know, label myself as a very depressed person. Um, even in my, in my teen years and early adult years, I, that was me. I was depressed. That's my, that was like my go-to thing. If I was feeling off, that's what I said about myself. I was depressed. Um, and, and then I started to, I started working here at, at Spark and, and learning this mental health education that seriously, everybody in the world just needs to know. They just need to be aware of this. And it's a game changer. Um, I went from being very just negative and, and they say negative Nancy, but it works for me, negative Nicole. Um, <laughs> that's, that was who I, like I was, I was a negative person. I was always down. I was always, why is this happening to me? Like I was that person that was not a good time to be around. And, um, I, when I learned this and really started to see it for myself, it was, it changed my outlook of other people and on myself. So when it, and really it's a simple, very, very simple mental health understanding that every single person is born with. Um, so something that we share here at Spark and, and Karis heard all about it last year um, through our programs is that you are born with this wellness inside of you. 
So no matter what you were born into, no matter, you know, your family background, no matter what your skin color is, no matter, none of that matters. You were born with this mental health wellness inside of you. And the only thing that ever happens to it is that we hold on to thoughts. So, and these could be thoughts of self-doubt. They could be judgmental thoughts. They could be thoughts that people have said about you. They could be something that uh, you saw on TV. It could be whatever it is. We have, I think it's like, and I'm no scientist, but I think it's like, um, I want to say it's like 160,000 thoughts a day go on in our mind. That's crazy to think about. Okay. And the fact that we only grab and hold on to certain ones when we have that many that we're not even aware of, that's like mind blowing to me. So kind of when you don't understand how your the human experience works and you don't understand how, like how the mind works, you're innocently grabbing onto all these thoughts that you think about yourself and they feel really, really true to you. They feel heavy to you. They feel true to you. And that's because we've been putting a lot of life into those. And just like me, when I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm depressed and I'm this and I'm that, and I'm anxious. That was another one that I, I, I was anxiety and I was depression and that was me. (laughs) And, um, but when I learned this, it, it, I was very, aware of, or became very aware of, wow, no, I'm actually a lot more than that. Like I have this wellness inside of me that everybody else has. And I just didn't know it was there. And when I learned about it, it was, it was kind of like, oh, well, why have I been holding on to all this like junk in my head? Like, why am I holding on to all this judgmental stuff that, yeah, it feels really heavy and real, but it, it doesn't have to belong to me. And that was a game changer for me. I was like, wow, I'm actually just as healthy as the happiest person that's walking this earth. I just didn't know it. And let me know if I'm talking too much because I do have um, like a sample activity that I wanted to share with everybody just because I'm a visual person and really seeing something because I'm pointing to something that you can't really see. It's not like it's your, your arm or your, your, you know, your nose or whatever. It's, it's, it's not something that, that people can see. It's just something that we all know is there. So I use a demonstration to kind of point that out to help people see it visually. So you can understand it at a deeper level, but I don't know, Karis, is there anything that you would like to share or anything before I go into all of that stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. If you guys have any questions about this, this understanding or something that Nicole's talking about, put it in the chat and we will answer it. I really want to, you know, know what you guys are thinking because when I first heard about, you know, Spark and when I first got involved in working for them and something that I did a lot with, with Spark was working with youth and juvenile facilities, working with sex trafficking survivors and mentoring them. And, you know, in a way they're also mentoring me, showing me things that I didn't understand um, very enlightening experience and really great, but something that I really struggled with that I feel like comes up a lot when people first hear, you know, this method of thinking is, so you're just saying that my thoughts aren't serious or, you know, you're just saying that my thoughts aren't real. And it's like, that's not what we're necessarily saying. For me, I've struggled with an an eating disorder since 2018, um, anorexia nervosa, And, you know, something that I went through treatment a lot with is something is wrong with you. 
this is an issue that you're having and you need to solve it or you need to somehow get rid of it. And it always made me feel like I was wrong, like something was wrong with me. And eventually I recovered through my own means. But when I went through um, Spark and was started working with them in internship with interning, internship, yeah, because that's still a word, interning with them, I was like, I don't really know about this. But then I saw it like in the world and I saw it within myself. It's like, you know, you could have a thought and then as soon as you recognize it, you're supposed, you know, you can see, oh, well, that's just a thought that I'm having. It has no power over me. It's not a physical thing that's attacking me. It's just the way that I'm interpreting the world around me. And it's not necessarily about saying, oh, you know, push that thought down. I'm not going to have it anymore because that's not how thoughts work. It's more acknowledging that it's there and being mindful of it and realizing it is just a thought and it actually has no power. Um, I was having this great conversation with this um, woman yesterday um, for the LGBTQ committee that I'm on for 3P UK, which is for all of you who don't know, I'm I'm, uh, doing a festival right now, an online festival. um, And there's a LGBTQ committee to make sure it's, it's inclusive and I'm on it. And one of the things that she said is, she goes, I just had a suicidal thought, but I know that it's just a thought and I don't have to focus on it. And I was like, you just put, you just put everything that I just said over the past couple of minutes in a one beautiful sentence. So I think, you know, realizing that helped me realize there was nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my thinking. There's nothing wrong with me as a person. I have that well-being within me. And, you know, these thoughts just sort of cloud it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Nicole has a, a great way of demonstrating that. So I'm really excited for, for the, for that whole activity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because um, that does go right into the activity that I have, but also um, I, I feel like if people knew this, knew more about this education that, they, you know, they wouldn't take those suicidal thoughts as serious as they would before. Because a lot of times people think that just because this pops into my head, it has to be, it has to mean something or I have to do something about it. And when you learn this and you learn that thoughts come and go, like I said, there's a ton of them floating around, right? But those ones that like to creep in a lot that make us feel kind of just like bad or heavy, those, those are, those are just like the, all the other ones floating around. We can just put more life into those other ones. So, um, I can go ahead and share this little activity that I do. So, um, like I said, in the beginning, I, uh, I work at the spark initiative and we run a mentoring program. And so spark actually stands for speaking to the potential ability and resilience inside every kid. And, um, cause that's exactly what we do. We speak to this resilience. We speak to this potential, this, this wellness that lives in everyone, regardless of how you are feeling in the moment, you have this inside of you. And we, and we actually call it your spark. It's like that light that is in everyone. And, um, it's kind of like if you, if you have ever seen little, little toddlers, I have a three-year-old, so I look at her and I see it all the time and I, and you see little toddlers playing around or you have little siblings that are playing and then they'll get in an argument or get in a fight. Right. And then like two seconds later, they're okay. Again, they're playing again. They, they 
let it go, they drop it. That's because they don't sit there and, and, and hold on and let these thoughts brew. They, it happens and then they let it go and then they move on because that's what the mind likes to do. It likes to move on. So that is just, I wanted to share that because as we get older, we tend to hold on to more of the thoughts and let them, let them brew and sit and, and let them linger a lot longer as we grow up, but we still have the ability to let them go like the little toddlers. My daughter reminds me to do that all the time because she just lets them go and just moves on with her life. And I'm like, you know what? I, I should do the same thing. <laughs> so what I wanted to demonstrate is, and you'll see it, I know it's kind of random, but I have a lamp in my office. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this lamp, it's a little dirty, sorry about that, but you can't really see it in, in here, but it's an old lamp. Anyway, this lamp, um, what I like to share with people is that this lamp represents that wellness that we all have inside of us. So in other words, your spark, that's what we call it. Um, it's your mental health, your resilience, your, um, your creativity. So a lot of people think, don't think that they're creative, but you have that inside of you. It's, it's your, um, your confidence and your self-esteem. We all have that inside of us. We were born with that because when we were little babies, I always refer back to that because that's when we are our, our like truest self was, uh, we didn't have any judgment, right? We, we weren't judging ourselves. We weren't judging other babies for not walking yet. Like it's, that didn't matter. It didn't matter. So, but all of that still lives in us. And that's what this, this lamp represents. Okay. But then as we get older, we tend to hold on to thoughts. Okay. Cause thoughts feel really real thoughts are how we experience life moment to moment. That's just how it works. We have a thought that gives us a feeling. A thought, feeling, thought, feeling. We, that's just how life works. And it could be because somebody said something to you. Somebody said something really rude to you. And you're like, oh, I don't like that. Like that was really mean. So you're thinking about it, right? That gives you a feeling. It's not that the person jumped in your head and made you feel that way. You were sitting there thinking about that thought or what they did. And that's the feeling that you have. It's not saying that the person didn't do anything. It's just saying that that is still coming from your thinking in that moment right? Um, so I have wrote out some thoughts that I hear a lot of times with the youth that I work with. And um, one of them, a lot of kids will just say that the thought pops in their head that they're, I'm stupid. Okay. So that's a common one that I hear. Um, and I'm going to stick that right here. Okay. Um, another one is I don't belong. Um, this one I hear a lot actually, and it's, um, I'm not enough. So a lot of times kids have that thought that pops in their head. I'm not enough. Um, this one, no one likes me. So a lot of times kids feel that way too. Um, I'm unlovable. So a lot of times, you know, kids will have that feeling with, with family or with their friends. Um, this one was mine. I'm depressed. That was, that's mine that I always thought of. Uh, I'm a loser. So name calling, whatever, you know, people are throwing at you, uh, and no one will accept me for who I am. So as you can see, these thoughts are sticking on top of this lamp, which 
I call them sticky thoughts. These are the thoughts that we give a lot of focus on, right? They pop in and they feel really real. They feel really heavy. Somebody called me this, or somebody said that I'm a loser, or somebody, uh, you know, somebody's being mean to me. So I, you hold on to those because they feel really heavy, and we don't like the way these feel, but they stick. But what's really interesting, and what we teach here, is that you, your light is still on, right? The the light never went off. It's not broken. It's not damaged. Nobody stole it. It's still there. It's just really, really covered up, right? It's covered up by the sticky thoughts. And when we become aware that, oh, it's still there underneath all of the, those layers of thoughts. And when I, and I understand that thoughts are, it's just a thought and I don't have to put a lot of life into it. I don't have to hold on to it and, and, you know, keep a tight grip on that thought. When you become aware of that's just how thoughts are, these will start to fall away naturally. So that thought of I'm depressed that I used to hold on to all the time. Now when it likes to creep in, I'm just like, mm, but I'm really not like I'm, I'm actually okay. Like, but sometimes I feel it and it feels kind of real, but then I remind myself, I become aware, but that's just a, that's just that habitual thought that likes to pop in. And then it, it goes on. Right. And then the more and more you start looking at these thoughts as there is just kind of like a habit that likes to creep in and, and give you a feeling. They tend to go away a lot quicker. And the more and more you become aware of each one that likes to pop in and, and take over your day or take over your experience, they start to fall away. And it doesn't mean that they're falling away forever. They'll come back, but maybe they won't hang out as long. And look what's happening. This person is becoming aware of that they're okay just because I feel really bad right now doesn't mean that I'm broken. Doesn't mean something's wrong with me. I'm still okay. And the more you become aware of that, the more that your, your wellness is going to start peeking through. Your spark is going to start shining through again. And you're going to feel better. You're going to, you're going to, cause we are naturally resilient. We're, we're made to bounce back and be okay and return back to this. We're not made to sit and hold on to all of, all of these. So the more you just become aware of that, the more you'll see that I'm actually okay. I'm not broken and I'm going to be okay because I'm always going to return back to my well-being. So I've done a lot of talking and I don't know, uh, Karis, you would like to share anything. I just think that the, I remember when we were doing the, the intern videos and I didn't get to, I, I can't remember if I did the lampshade activity or not, but I remember editing the video for that. Yeah. And I, no matter how many times I see it, it's just, it speaks so true. And especially in the sense of, you know, suicide prevention, it is, it's a great resource and a great understanding to know that, you know, having a suicidal thought doesn't mean that you are suicidal. It just means you're having that thought, but it, you also don't have to act on it. I mean, I have crazy thoughts all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to spend all of the money I've saved up for college and go to Prague this summer. No, I'm not. But sometimes I really want to because I am tired or because I want to go have fun. But it's, you know, a thought and I don't pay attention to it. A lot of us do that. A lot of us have thoughts that we are like, okay, yeah, whatever. But some thoughts stick, like you said. And really we, we ruminate and we think like, oh, well, I'm having this thinking. This is so true. 
it must be true. I have to act on it. And that is, you know, sort of how suicidal thoughts can, can translate into action, which, you know, is what we don't want. That's the prevention portion of this. But this activity sort of, you know, goes on both ends. It makes us aware of the thinking that leads to suicide um, and how to counteract it and how to be aware of it and sort of dismiss it, you know, within yourself. Because obviously every, you can't do this for other people. That's why it is important to do what we said. Know the warning signs, be a kind human being to everyone and be an open and accepting space as a person. But then within yourself, having that awareness of how your mind works can be so freeing. You realize just because I, I think that I'm different or I think that it's not normal for me to be gay or to be pansexual or, you know, this one person in the street called me a slur because I like to dress differently than other people my gender or whatever you want to, you know, whatever problem or, or, or situation you're facing, you can realize like, well, that's their experience over there. And this is mine. And I, this is my own thinking. And because it's my own thinking, it doesn't have to be something I hold on to. And it doesn't have to be something I, I believe to be true for myself. And, you know, this thinking, when you have this realization, it's important to practice it. It's important to remind yourself of it. You know, I don't want, you know, to, for people to leave this webinar or this, you know, discussion that we're having really, and say, you know, not, not really think about it anymore. This understanding is something that is really good to have for any situation and especially suicide prevention. But like I said, for any situation, like if you're like, who I'm really mad at this person and, you know, I'm going to say something to them, you can be like, you're mad and you're thinking that and you can think that and you're going to think that that's how human beings work. But that doesn't mean you have to, to, to translate that thought into an action. So I think it's just such a great, you know, understanding and it's a great resource to have for yourself and a great resource to tell others about. And, you know, that's sort of my take on it. That's really what I would add to that. But, you know, sort of speaking of, of different things that you can do and, and different resources. Um, I was curious if, you know, other than this understanding, you had um, any other resources that you'd like to share today or, or discuss today? Actually, so what we at, at Spark, so we are a nonprofit organization. Um, if you are ever feeling suicidal or you're having any type of, of like sticky thoughts or anything that are just really like clouding up your mind or something that you're going through in life that you're facing and you just don't know what to do. Um, we offer free mentoring. Um, so if you are ever in need and just want somebody to talk to, um, we have mentors here that are really open to uh, just having a discussion with you or just being, you know, an, an ear for you to just vent to. Um, we, you know, we wanted to create this safe space for any and everyone. Um, so if you are ever, ever in that state of mind where you feel like, you know, you just are at your, your end or you're at rock bottom or whatever it is, because we're humans. And sometimes we visit that low, that low state of mind. Just feel free to reach out to um, 
the Spark Initiative because we are here for everyone. Is there a website for Spark or social media for it? Yeah, so we have um, our website, which is uh, thesparkinitiative.com. I'll write it in the chat. And we also have an Instagram page. It's uh, called Spark Initiative. And we do have a Facebook page. So just type in the Spark Initiative and you should see us. Um, our logo is, it's kind of like a little blue heart, so. For me, I think my main resource is something that is really, you know, close to home for me because I spent a lot of time personally working on it and we're currently still expanding it um, to include more and more groups of people and make it more and more diverse. But there is a section on the um, Comblog website that offers resources, links, and hotlines for a bunch of different groups. So active duty service members and veterans who are LGBTQ, youth, students, parents, allies, uh, specifically transgender community, specifically for people who wanna get involved. There's a ton and I just wanted to sort of show you guys that. This is our website. Um, this is the blog portion of the comm program here at Humanity Rising. And essentially we have all of these different lifelines and you can call or text depending on your safety. There's a bunch of different youth and student resources depending on what you're looking for, whether you're looking for, you know, something for specifically for students to learn about drug use and recovery, to get involved with your local GSA. Um, we even have a, a resource that focuses on equality for Jewish youth who, um, you know, need that resource, families and allies. LGBTQ adults, active duty service members, how to take action, the transgender community, even ways to find a specific LGBTQ friendly therapist, which is really important. Um, and something that I'm really personally passionate about as someone who used to struggle getting financial assistance is financial assistance, things like therapy funds, which I didn't even know was a thing, but you can actually get funds to the therapy. So if you're like, well, I can't afford it, you can. There are grants out there for you. There are programs out there for you. Stuff like, you know, necessarily what Spark does isn't necessarily therapy, but it's still a free resource for you. So one of the things I always like to say when talking about resources is don't worry about money. Don't worry about availability because all you have to do is, is look. You don't have to go the traditional route if you're not comfortable with it or if you can't afford it, especially with the LGBTQ community. If your parents aren't accepting, it can be difficult to get them to pay for therapy to help you deal with discrimination or self-doubt or any of those things. So you can do it on your own or you can use online options. So don't ever think that you don't have a resource or you don't have a way to get help because you do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. And um, I really hope that, you know, we can share more with you in the future. So everyone have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you.